0: All right, RBA. Welcome to the uh, second podcast that we've done with Chad. The uh, I guess the eighth podcast we've done overall in this podcasting season. The last one since the season ended. And I have with me, as I just uh, as I just said, the uh, the owner of the Elm Grove Cardinals, fifty one win team this season, looking for plaque number five. Chad Kanick.
1: Hey, JR. Thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, we have uh, we have a lot to cover here. We've done another three podcasts since the last time you were on. Um, and uh, those were with Hobbs, obviously, who who put up some some erratic performances uh, as the podcast as a podcaster since then. <laughs>
1: so he has, he has his strong suits and his his
0: weak moments. <laughs> well, you know, he crunches numbers, he researches. He started, you know, he was reading emails. His so. strong
1: suits are that he uh, he never deletes a spreadsheet.
0: That's true. <laughs> That's true. So when we were talking about how to get started, you said you might want to uh, you might want to address some of the things uh, uh, some of the things that he said. Uh, I guess we're going to start talking about this current season first. But anything that uh, you wanted to uh, lead off with, off the top?
1: Well, you know, when you listen to the magic that comes out of Hobbs's mouth. He talks a lot about this, the, the spreadsheet team scores from year to year. And you guys normally have a rhythm that's very nice where you go through and you, you, show, you talk about um, every given season and there are replay results and you, you go through the de- in detail about the draft and how good the teams are after the draft, the trades, and then the finals. It's, it's actually, uh, I find it quite interesting, gripping stuff. <laughs>
0: oh, oh yeah, it's theater.
1: <laughs> oh, it is. <it laughs> so, Hobson, um, at some point, gets his, his, his gal up, and he says, hey, here's, here's, the, here's the scores. This is how good every team
0: was. It's <laughs> empirical. Um, this is how good every team was.
1: <laughs> and I, I really get a kick out of that. I love it because I'm actually very interested to not just in the numbers because when he tells me the numbers, I'm actually wondering, like, what he actually did to get those numbers. But the other day he mentioned something about how the scores this year were higher than in other years. And it made me wonder – how different run environments that have been experienced in this league because this league has been open for like over a decade now. Yeah,
0: this is the end of our 11th season. That's right. We, we went through the end of the
1: steroids era until yep. now, where it's not looking anything like the steroid era. We uh,
0: we we almost have. I don't think it's quite so much, but we almost have a 100 point difference in OPS from now till the time or, you know between now and the time we started, which is exactly. staggering. Yeah,
1: it, it really it, it is because and that, that kind of comes through. When you hear him discuss the quality of the lineups in some of these
0: years, yeah. seven
1: and eight hitters with eight fifty OPS.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's not happening now.
1: That's not <laughs> happening.
0: No, I mean even even you look at, at you know the the stronger teams from this season like yours. I mean you're bad. You have Marco Scudero playing every day.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's not a high-quality baseball player. Well,
0: and it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's so much different now than it was back then because I think Hobbs and I were reviewing the teams uh, a few days ago because he's actually, apropos to this discussion, trying to put together the – I need an (laughs) echo in my voice – the spreadsheet for uh, for 2011 so that he can tell me who's best so I don't have to play the playoffs anymore. Uh, (laughs) No. Um, So – and we were running down the teams, and I think we did his first, and then, and then we did yours uh, soon after because I wanted to know how they matched up. Mm-hmm. And I was helping him by, because I know the league, and um, you know, I was saying this is who plays and this is the percentage of time. And you know Marco Scudero came up. That's why that sprang to mind. And he said, oh, Marco Scudero is a shortstop. And I said, well, yeah, but he's, he's actually valuable because he plays all season. You know, he has a, a 100% – play factor or yeah, 0% yeah. entry factor is that the league is so much different now when you think about that because you could – the run environment was even different in the RBA because you could grab somebody like Tony Clark, like uh, Pete did in 06, yeah. which we'll talk yeah. about soon. But, um, so you could find the flashes in the pan and, may, and stretch them out more. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. If a, it used to be that if a player qualified, got in on that last day where he was the last guy in, he played as often as anybody else. Correct. And I think it is much, much better to have it set up so that the players that play the whole season are more valuable and that that's reflected in the game. True. But getting back to my original yes. point, Sorry. I'm actually interested to see how his spreadsheet would would compare teams between different seasons if those scores um, were normalized to the league average of that season.
0: Right. I I think – I have a runs created formula that actually does. Um, I'm pretty sure my, yeah, my runs created formula goes from the raw numbers and it mm-hmm. does normalize it. it okay. In that I get the, I take the base op uh, you know, or I take the base, mm-hmm. you know, stat line and I generate an overall runs created number out of that. And I think yeah, it's yeah. like 0.019 is where it's usually the ballpark. That's the run expectancy of, an, of a plate appearance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then what I do to – and then the pitchers come directly from that because all the pitcher numbers are added or subtracted from that line. So the pitcher mm-hmm. numbers, given as a deviation from that, should be comparable era to era. And then what I always do to rate the, the batters is I always um, subtract that from their total. So I see. so if he starts using that in the in the spreadsheet calculations as as I, I kind of sent him in that direction this year, you know, like a blind guy, I just kinda of push him and, and let him go. Um, so I think that will normalize them. But I think when he says, like we talked about that, that scores were different from season to season, I think it does depend on the run environment. Oh
1: absolutely. Yeah. And you know, when it really gets down to it is when you're talking about ranking um, the top ten Teams ever, and you've got a team that has Barry Bonds with an OPS of 1.6, <laughs> right. four other guys with an OPS of one, and four guys with an OPS over 800. Yep. and you look at the league now, and there aren't that many players with those numbers in the <laughs> league.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: You, you kind of have to, you know, all that means is is that when you compare when you compare that team to the best team in this season or the one before this, uh, especially these two. It's going to be it's going to be slightly you know slightly different.
0: Yes. Well, there's one thing not to get too far off the track, but this is one thing that that I've discussed with and I can't remember if we discussed it on the podcast or not. But he, I, and this would take research that I haven't done yet, and I don't even know how that research would be uh, enacted. But uh, he 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 basically just averages the players, and and I have this idea where you know he lifts up his fifth season team as being. Uh, you know the best team ever assembled at the end of the season, based on his average OPS and his lineup against righties was one. If yeah. you if you talk to him for ten minutes, he'll he'll mention that three times. If you, <laughs> nobody, you know, if you, even if you're talking about you know like whatever <laughs> something else. Um, <laughs> but the thing you know, is, well, look at well, I was just going to say my my point with that is I i have started to say you know Jeff. Man, Yes, mathematically that's true, but I'm wondering if really – I mean, it can't be that that lineup you put together would score as many runs as a lineup where, you know, to an extreme where all eight hitters actually had an OPS of one because that average is getting yanked out of there by an outlier, which is Bonds, who was 1.6.
1: That's true, but you know the guys that – um oh, my goodness, the baseball website um, behind the box score?
0: Yep. They
1: did a study where they took um, a total amount of OPS and they distributed it differently along the lineups. And what they actually showed was that it it does return the exact same number of runs. I couldn't believe it. And the reason why is because they thought that you would actually – the um, thing they were testing was if you've got two or three stud hitters and then some other very good hitters – and then some not so good hitters. Well you score more runs than if you're just equally distributed. And they thought that you would actually score more if you highly concentrate your, your um your productivity you oh. in like the middle of your lineup.
0: Anyway, yeah, I thought just the opposite.
1: Well, it actually that both of the there's kind of it, it, you can rationalize it either way, but what they showed was there's almost no difference. Wow.
0: Well, I don't know, so I'll have to come up with something else to beat him over the head with. Then I guess I don't know. I was, that's what I was starting to say, but because it just seemed like in the replays that the teams with bonds, who is the extreme player, didn't do as well as as he plotted out in the bridge.
1: How does the replay? How do the replays handle intentional um, walks?
0: Well, that's, do they that's good do question. they issue them? That's a good question. And and I don't know the answer
1: because you should intentionally walk bonds. is is what I've been told.
0: Well, I don't know, and, and whether it's <laughs> yeah. well, the, there were there were some pundits who were very upset after the O two and O three seasons. I remember a quote from Joe Morgan after that that said that you completely ruined the RBA championship. That was Joe Morgan. I
1: know. I yeah. won it the wrong way. <laughs> I won it because of luck, again and again and again.
0: That's uh, really, it. I, uh, I don't know whether the actual simulation that we used subtracted out intentional walks like I do. That's another thing to consider. Uh, you know, getting to the
1: differences between the way you play the game and the simulations, yep. the other thing I wondered is that in the RBA we construct lineups, Yep. Um, that are based on the starting pitcher handedness, and right. you can have a whole bunch of lefties and a whole bunch of righties. And if you're clever, you actually set the lineup so that when a relief pitcher comes in who is, you know, great versus one or the other, he can't go very far in that lineup. Right. So I was wondering if in the in the simulations and the replays, if they actually set the lineup to protect players the way that we sort of inherently would, or if if, for instance, if you just put your four best players up front and they're all left-handers, and you bring in a lefty reliever, can he go through all four?
0: It's a good question, also, and I don't know the answer to that either. The, the you know, Hobbs and I ran these over the past year, and and it was a little bit labor-intensive. I I mean, Hobbs didn't do this because he's lazy, but i I put together <laughs> the, I put together the rosters. Like, I would have to go in and assign each player the ten, to a team. I had to populate the rosters. Right. Now, uh, you know, one thing that we thought about doing and then rejected it because of time concerns was actually going back and researching the the righty and lefty lineup, like putting the accurate lineups in there that the people used. So they were auto-generated lineups, and so you never even know. Like I don't even know if they were regularly starting the people who were regularly starting in the RBA, I mean, even more so than what you were saying.
1: Right. That's okay. That's very true.
0: Yeah. So, so I mean, this this will come
1: back up later on. If maybe at some point we'll discuss the uh, the O five O six replay.
0: Okay. Okay. But but for now, you wanted to talk a little bit more about this, this season, right?
1: Oh, definitely. Because, yeah. I mean, that was quite a season, man.
0: It was. Well, let's. Well, I I let let's talk first of all because this is the last email I sent out, and you had you might have a couple of thoughts about this. The new uh, the new realignment has just been announced. Um. So yes, yes. What, do you, what do you think? And and there was a, and, and we'll talk about this season here, here in a few minutes. It was an exciting and interesting season. But going forward, I, I know that we've always kicked around the idea of team or, or I guess franchise strength. And when I split into three divisions the first time, a lot of people had a lot of ideas about who, was, who should have gone where and how to organize it and who was the best franchise and everything. So what, what are your thoughts on, on looking at the realignment plan?
1: So um, Jeff Florian and I talked about this just the other day.
0: I, I think he mentioned it to me, yeah.
1: No, not to, to steal his thunder, but he had a great idea, and everybody needs to remember this is his idea. He says that um, we should do it like we do. We form teams um, on the in – the, in the kickball teams on the playground, and we just have Hobbs and I just pick. Uh, we're captains, and we just pick the divisions.
0: Now, he emailed me this idea, and of course I'd already decided who was going in, and, and you know, it was probably uh, about three-quarters tongue-in-cheek anyway, I figure. But uh, <laughs> I would hope. Uh, but I was interested to to think. Now, first of all, when you're talking about picking, would your first pick be the weakest team? Would you be no, trying to? No, no. no, you're yeah. You're saying you want you're picking for divisional integrity.
1: Well, I mean – for this this league to exist, Cooper and I have to be in the same division. <laughs> well, I'm glad that. So I'm glad Co- that. Cooper comes to my team. So, and then, so
0: Cooper would be your first round pick if you're making a draft board. Cooper would be your number one pick. Well, if Hobbs is the other captain, yes. what do you think he's going to say? Well, I I think in that case, I, I think that you could leave Cooper until your last pick because there's no way in hell Jeff's going to. <laughs> we weren't thinking. <laughs> we
1: weren't thinking about picking the worst team to put in your division, we were actually trying to think about who we would who would make the best rivalries and the best matchups.
0: Okay. So you're not even thinking about overall division strength, like not like you're picking against Hobbs and I want my division to be, to be better than yours.
1: Mm, well, usually i want everything to be better than Hobbs'.
0: Well, but, you'll have to try. So in,
1: okay, so getting to the, the current alignment, now we have Arizona, we have Las Vegas, we have Dunedin. And we've got myself, along with Baltimore and um, and Atlanta, in in the same division. Yeah. You know, I I do look at that, and I kind of think that Hobbs belongs in the other division out of this group. But this goes back to my, my viewpoint of always seeing him on the side of the argument about how players should be valued with Adam, thinking about them, of, of Hobbs and Adam <laughs> together.
0: Us it was just, versus them.
1: It would just sort of be fitting that if he was in the other division, um, that you know, he would be messed up there with Adam to have a little rivalry with. And then they would have John. John's a very strong team over there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I i I've, I'm fine with the way it's set up because of the, wild, the way the wild cards come out, that it really won't matter
0: at all. Yeah, and with the schedule being – much more balanced. I don't think it matters too much either way. That's true. Yeah. I, it's just mostly for, I mean, I wanted to go back to this, for all the reasons I said in the email, but I, you know, I also liked it when you and, and Hobbs and Cooper were all in the same division. It was, uh, and, and it would have been fun. Um, I, you and Cooper have kind of been on alternate cycles of contending here for the past.
1: Uh, well, we, we have, but you know, the, um, the, the symmetry of um, yeah. these last of these seasons, are really starting to match up again with the way this whole, this league started off at the beginning, and Coop and I look like we might be rounding into form next year again. Yep. So it looks like next year I'll get to unnecessarily beat him, and he'll get cheated out of <sighs> whatever playoff appearance he was supposed to get. <laughs> That's what's supposed to happen.
0: Well. I especially – I'm fine with the realignment for next season uh, because Hobbs, as you said uh, – I don't remember if that was on the podcast or not, but uh, Hobbs is not going to be good next year. Let's, let's well, put it not, nicely.
1: He's not. We'll have to see if he knows that.
0: Oh, I think he's aware. I, I okay. try and make him aware of it pretty much every day. <laughs> just, just <laughs> But, uh, well, in general, I mean, if you were trying to – well, you know, here's a here's an interesting little tidbit, I guess. Um I, I mean, you're talking about, you know, putting these two together. I think the divisions are pretty equally matched. Um,
1: they it may
0: it's be. interesting that the wild card came from the Puckett division three out of the five seasons in, in three-divisional play.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. true.
0: And the, the only time your division got it was last year when Baltimore made it. And you could argue, I mean, that was kind of a Cinderella story kind of thing. I mean, they were, you know, Ford Duquesne may have been more deserving of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's I mean, true. You know, we never
1: really got to talk about that series. At no point in my business busyness in the last year did we ever discuss that run that Baltimore made going in and the game against against Bob.
0: Yeah, you mean the the playoff game for the wild card?
1: I thought that personally thought that Bob's team was was better.
0: I I, I agree. Still,
1: I still think that the fans in Fort Duquesne um, are pissed off that. <sighs> That they didn't go to the playoffs because was it Trevor Miller gives up a face, a right handed batter
0: I believe at all? Was, yeah, I believe it was Trevor Miller. That's right.
1: I mean, hit, wow. So, That's yeah. right. You
0: have never really gotten to respond to this or, or say so anything about
1: that. I thought that Bob's team was very good last year. And I thought that Doug's team this season was also very good. So I thought that Bob's team actually showed a lot of the same characteristics that my team does this year. A little, a little, bit, a little right handed heavy in the lineup. Yep. Um, maybe reliant on a few guys out of the bullpen. And I wasn't exactly sure if he was going to be able to, to make a big run in the playoffs. Kind of the same way that I'm reserved to go on my own team this year. Really? Huh. I'm not sure. Well, we'll get, we'll get to that, actually. Okay. Yeah, But, okay. but I, I still don't understand how the fans have, what they have done to Trevor Miller's house. And I never, I
0: never heard about it. I mean, yeah, you know. it was, it was rough. It, it was, it was a strange, it was a strange occurrence. They were down one to nothing in the ninth inning. Uh, for people who want to, I mean, not everybody knows exactly what we're talking about. Baltimore led one to nothing in the ninth inning of this game. Baltimore had surged up to tie for Duquesne for the wild card spot, um, and had a run of righties in there. Henry Blanco was one of them. I think Alexi Ramirez hit the the home run in question. Yeah. It was but it was three righties in a row and a couple of them I believe especially Ramirez much better against left-handers. You, uh, you
1: once wrote me an email last year that you said that Alexi breaks Oh, yes. did I? That was the word I used? Okay. That was during the season, yes.
0: Well, he broke Trevor Miller. He And and Ford Duquesne had Trevor Miller on the mound, the left-hander, and, and he had the two-run homer. Now, Baltimore was winning at the time, but it was only one to nothing, and that made it 3 to nothing. But there's and
1: also no tomorrow big. there. Yep,
0: yep, that's okay. it, yeah. And then, I mean, and then, of course, something that we'll talk about this season. Well, well let me, this is a good transition. I can kind of paint the picture here. Mm-hmm. Um, the season has just ended, and... There are a lot of similarities between uh, the season we're in now, 2011, and 2010. Baltimore won that game. They were sort of a Cinderella story. I guess maybe not even sort of. They were a Cinderella story to make the wild card. It was the first time Baltimore had ever been in the playoffs. Um, And maybe, you know, to to put it nicely, they they overachieved a little bit. They were a little plucky to get there, you might say. Um, And they... Drew, Arizona, winner of the Larkin Division. Um, we kind of had, and and I know I'll get crap from, not that Adam will listen to this, but uh, Adam would give me crap for saying this, but we have we have sort of the twin towers in the league again. We have Arizona and Elm Grove, the two strongest teams on paper, um, and and they were last year. And so once again, we have Arizona playing the upstart wildcard team this year at it's, uh, it's State College. And you playing the relatively strong um, and number one seed, actually, pocket division champions this year's at Silver City. So what do you, yeah. uh, what do you think?
1: Well, John's team is tough. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I gave a lot of thought um, during the season um, to his team, thinking, expecting to play his team at some point, actually. And, um, yeah, his, his lineup is very good. Um, I'm not sure what his playoff rotation is going to be. I'm actually interested to see that for myself.
0: You know, it's going to be quite interesting because yours, I I mean, not a lot of secrets about yours. Um, No, no, no. Yeah, And Hobbs is pretty much set in stone, which we could talk about that also. It's also frightening uh, to anybody who has to play him with those top three. But the State College and Silver City could go in a lot of different directions.
1: Yeah, I I talked to Florian about if we would have played each other. Okay. I actually thought he might give me more fits than he thought he would because he could throw so many lefties at me um, yep. on the mound, and lefties can really sap, chew, and mauer, and they reduce more of effectiveness a lot.
0: Well, the question so, is, I mean, I, I kind of have to balance this as a commissioner, you know, not giving away anything. I mean, I, I, I intimately know all the teams, but, I mean, I know Florian is, is going to think about this. And so I'm just going to say – If if his lefties would have given you fits, does Florian take a glance at at what Hobbs puts out there against left-handers?
1: You know, it's funny. Um, I don't think I've ever really studied Hobbs' team, ever in any season, because I expect there just to be – uh, eight players that he puts out versus right, he's in a different eight players he puts out versus left. That's a power, right? So I, I did never wanted to give myself the headache because I thought, of, oh, God, why is that player batting there? Where's Troy Gloss? What the hell's going on?
0: Um, yeah, and I, I I I, and I did the Adam Dunn thing. <laughs> it was <basically> the <laughs> thing. Yeah.
1: Right. I don't think that um, you can throw a pitcher with big splits, big normal splits, out versus Arizona in any given year and do well. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, that's normally what I think. I don't know. I, I assume that if they were going to give me fits, that he would be better prepared for that.
0: Okay. Well, but, uh, yeah. It it really is. I and this is another thing that that I, uh, I I give Hobbs a lot of crap about. He he will always be able and like Adam. Hobbs says this about Adam. They'll always be able to hit lefties because they just take these players in the draft, and they don't care who they are. And it's just – the team is good against left handers It's just funny to look at the lineup. It's a bunch of random names. It's just nothing. I mean, until he traded for Cruz, which was a big trade in a lot of ways for him. Um, and he plugs Cruz in there against left-handers. But he's got, I mean, he's got Adam Rosales playing a corner outfield spot. He's yeah. got Adam Kennedy playing first and batting leadoff. Yeah, we don't, I don't, I
1: don't look at his lineup it's, it's
0: terrible. <laughs> I'm giving you the headache you're trying to avoid. Right oh, now. Don't do it. It's a brain freeze. <laughs> But it's all these things that that actually make sense, which is why it gives you a headache. It makes sense for this year. But then if you blink your eyes and look at it, you just want to cry. <laughs> it's just terrible. Yeah.
1: So when you look at at, um, at Hobbs' team, right? Um, I've, I've seen it on paper what it looks like. You know, he, has, um, a very, he has a very good team for this year. Lots of players are going to make some noise if they're put in the right situation versus – the handedness of the batter that they can face. Yep. And he has lots of interchangeable parts, so his team will be very good. My team is built very differently. It's very top-heavy, where I think four of the top ten hitters are actually in my lineup to Maurer, Morneau, and Bautista.
0: In terms of wins above replacement or just? Uh... Um,
1: in terms of, um, no, not wins above replacement because Morneau's injury factor would hurt him there.
0: Yeah, but he's I still think- 11th. <laughs> I just looked. He's still 11th.
1: So just just looking at WOBA. Okay. And looking at it um, a weighted way so that you penalize him for for splits that hurt them. Yep. Um, I, so you're talking I about
0: not RBA performance but underlying core performance.
1: Underlying core performance. Sure. Morneau is actually the best player in the entire league right now. That's, that's what's crazy. Uh, that's why he's 11th overall over the course of the season even though he only, he played less than half of it.
0: Correct. And he he did, I mean, I don't know if he what you'd say to qualify, but I mean, he he has a higher weighted-on-base average than, than anybody I'm looking at. I think he was only – and this guy wouldn't have qualified, but Eric Henske beat him out, which was a statistical anomaly in the underlying stats So you know, we can talk right, about. it. because
1: if you just have a lefty that destroys lefties and yes. he hits a home run every so many at-bats, yeah, yes. I, tr- I tried to trade for Eric Henske, but, but was rebuffed by no email back.
0: Mm. Um, Morneau has a four uh, – in, in the RBA, he had a 476. W-O-B-A. Uh, wow. Better than Mauer, who was 4.55. Bautista was 4.42. Um, so, yeah, with his abbreviated playing time, that was enough to put him – actually, he's top uh, – oh, no, no, no. He's, he's 11th with a 2.04. So he played in half the games, basically, and was still good for two wins of replacement for you.
1: Yeah. So I have – I think the two best players that I, I think that I saw in the game were, were this year were Hamilton and Morneau.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: So and Hamilton
0: you know, finished sixth, by the way.
1: Right. So I, if I face a lefty, three of my top four hitters, three of the top four hitters in the in the, the three, I'm sorry, three of the top ten hitters in the entire game, three of the top four of my team. Yep. You know they're hurt by that. Okay, that's true. Now of course if John's going to throw lefties out there, which he probably will with Romero, um, he's got Ted Great. Lilly who
0: likes to keep
1: his underhand. Oh,
0: 30 home runs this season in the RBA. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've got, cool.
1: some, I've got some some, talent to hit lefties with Kinsler and Willingham. And, you know, one guy that I picked up that was really cheap, Jeff Baker, after mm-hmm. the draft, un, undrafted. And yeah. And yeah, he breaks lefties.
0: He, he does break lefties. He's a guy you would not want to throw Trevor Miller against, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah. He is
1: somebody who is not. He can't play defense very well. He has no. a hard time catching the ball.
0: Yes, he. Uh, just to just to enlighten people about Jeff Baker, so you played him strictly against left-handers. I didn't even bat him against righties a, a couple of times in a mop-up situation when I was trying to save whatever. Um, he basically he. He played in twenty five games, which sounds about right. He got a couple of pinch hitting opportunities. Maybe he had sixty eight plate appearances. He hit three eighty five, uh, which is obviously good. Um, he hit six errors. Yeah, so <laughs> he does have some problems. Yeah, yeah, he's not he's not g- gifted
1: in that area.
0: But you did pick up uh, you picked up a defensive replacement near the end of the season, and and you do have some guys like that.
1: Clint Clint Barmouth is my my new Jack Wilson. <laughs> Well, let's try not to have
0: a Jack Wilson game again.
1: Oh, but this year he'll be replacing the Scudero, who's not very good anyway.
0: Well, that's true. That's true. And uh, I'm going to
1: try to not replace guys such as Maurer and uh, oh, I don't remember who else I replaced in that game, but I replaced most of my good players. Oh, I You're referring to the playoff game last year, yeah? When up one run. Broxton comes in, faces the bottom of Dunedin's lineup. I just see Broxton about to mow these guys down, change everybody out in the field for defensive replacements, everybody that I had. Yep. Even I think as you were pitching the first – throwing the first pitch, I was throwing in extra defensive <laughs> replacements.
0: You, say, no, uh, no, 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 put in Jose Bautista yes, for Chipper Jones. That's true. That happened. There were four defensive replacements. Jose Bautista went in for Chipper Jones. The infamous Jack Wilson went in for uh, Marco Scudero. Uh Michael Bourne went in in center field for yeah. Fukudove. And the Magic Man, Rod Barajas, replaced yeah. Joe Maurer. Uh, Mauer reached base four times in five plate appearances in that game. Rod Barajas came in and gave gave you a nice over three. Um, Wilson also went over three. Uh, Bautista went over two with a walk. You basically got nothing in extra innings from all those guys.
1: I lost the game when Broxton gave up that that run. He, He may as well have just given up a grand slam.
0: Yeah, it was tough. Uh, yeah, that was that was quite a game. That's one. Of the, I mean, that that is the wildest game we've had in the playoffs. That's a very memorable game. We're talking about Game Two of the first round last year between Elm Grove and Dunedin. Dunedin won fourteen to eleven in fourteen innings in that game. And, wow, uh, that was. You were in some kind of shape by the end of that game, might I have? <laughs>
1: It was late here. <laughs> it was
0: late. Yeah, it was late. And uh, and actually, not to get too much into 2010, but the other, you know, you it was kind of a pyrrhic victory for Dunedin. You, won, you lost the battle, but you won the war. Because to win that game, Dunedin used, like, two of their other starting pitchers from the series, remember?
1: That was one of the strangest moves ever. He ends up locking himself into pitching Aaron Laffey later on.
0: Yep, that's right. That's
1: right. Aaron Laffey, who I didn't even have on his roster and had to look up. Right but Lassie did did hold his own later on, he just whoever replaced him didn't hold up there into the bargain and later on in that series,
0: yes, well, here's a good transition you were you were mentioning how you wanted to compare your team this year to your team last year um and i'm I'm looking back at it, and the the top two starters are the same
1: they are they're they're very, very similar statistically as well, so you got Felix and you got Josh Johnson, yep I think. I don't have my, my spreadsheet. I'm not Hobbs. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have the spreadsheets that tell me how good these players are going to be. Okay. But I think they're top five starters. They're just – they're excellent.
0: Yes. Well, they would certainly seem that way. I mean, we, we're we're remiss in not mentioning that Felix just finished the, the best – well, I mean, he won 15 games. Other than Pedro in 0-1, you could argue the yeah. best season ever for a pitcher in the RBA. Um, yeah.
1: It's been it's been a decade since anyone's done anything like this.
0: Yeah, and nobody's ever won 15 games before, especially out of the number 1 position. He was dominant. And Josh Johnson in his shadow put together a season that might have won the, the the Pedro Martinez award in any other season. I mean, he went, he really did. He went a two point six six ERA, which is difficult to do in this league with a one point zero two WHIP. So those two are going to be very difficult to face one two in the playoffs. And
1: that's why it's 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 fun going in as a three seed with this squad because now mm-hmm. the first two games I'll get to throw out the dual aces yep. and we'll just see what's going to happen in Vulture Land.
0: Well, that's true. That's true. They'll make road starts, and then you'll come back with uh, with one of your longer tenured Cardinals, I guess, Hamels at the number three.
1: Hamels, yeah. that's he, He's the guy. So so the three and four starters are going to be Hamels and Edwin Jackson. Right. Not exactly sure which is going to pitch where. Oh, okay. Okay. John, so Hamels, by all, all metrics, is the superior pitcher. Mm-hmm. So when you compare this team um, to last year's team, um, the rotation last year was the, the, the core strength of that team going into the playoffs. You had the two aces. You had Javier Vasquez, who was top 10 okay, And he was he was equivalent of, uh, of an ace. And you had Josh Beckett, who was top 25-ish, top 30-ish.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, a heck of a rotation, even on name value.
1: Wow. oh, They, they were fun. They were so <sighs> And then so comparing the two, Felix and Josh are are close to a wash. Um, They're both a little bit better, but the run environment's lower, so they might be better because all the hitters are worse. I'm not sure how that works out.
0: It's possible. It's hard to argue with what they did, but, yeah, I mean, it. yeah, okay.
1: Then you've got Hamels. Hamels is ranked about where I had Beckett last year. Oh, okay. So Beckett was good, but, see, Beckett was a right-hander, and he was pretty, I think his splits were fairly even. So Hamels is a left-hander. Inherently, he's going to have a slight disadvantage because he's not nearly as good versus right-handed batters, and they're easier to replace. And we're facing Silver City.
0: Yes, and I was going to mention, for even, even when they haven't been as good as they are this season, they always load up against uh, left-handers. They have a lineup that is just, it's designed to bash lefties. It always has been.
1: Yeah, they're very, very hard versus lefties. So I'm, I'm, I'm still torn, and I'm probably gonna have to see how the first two games go to know whether I'm gonna be comfortable putting Hamels out, which in, in game three, which will position him to start game seven. Yeah, it would. Or if I want to put Edwin out. Now Edwin Jackson, um, comparatively speaking, you know, if he slides into the third role. Um, He's going to be compared with Javier Vasquez. Javier Vasquez was, around the, was a top 10 pitcher last year yep. in the league. Yep. Um, I have Edwin Jackson as the the absolute most average pitcher, the most average available starter in the league this year.
0: That sounds about right. Yeah. He
1: is. I, I don't know if there were any starters. He was 40. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a downgrade. So I'm not sure if I want to throw him out twice. If you throw him out once – well, my, um, my logic is if you throw him out once and he pitches half of a normal game, it wouldn't be be terrible. He's not he's not irresponsibly bad. <laughs> At... Irresponsible.
0: Well, I mean, but this is it. I mean, and and we can talk a little bit about the difference in how they performed in the league this season versus how uh, they should have performed. Because when I when I kind of my first, well, I've been you know following the teams all season, obviously, but when I think about the teams now and how they're constructed. Um, going to the, to the stats and how they performed, I was, I was looking at the preview. You had by far the best offense in the league, which shouldn't be surprising given the players you threw out there, Morneau, Chu, Maurer, Bautista, and you have some supporting guys. Like you said, you have some guys in there can hit lefties, like Kempler, hand, and were yeah.
1: good both ways, Yeah, yeah.
0: So. and, and Kemsler just destroys left-handers. Yeah. Um. So you really have a a really nice offense. Probably, I mean, after the addition of Cruz, Jeff's spreadsheet would probably tell you that that he's the best. But that's Jeff's spreadsheet. We don't (laughs) trust it.
1: Yay! Exactly.
0: Um, So you had a a composite 369 weighted on base. Uh, You had you had over 10 batted uh, batting wins above replacement, which is pretty. That's a very strong number. Historically, very strong. the, the one weakness that I see here is what you're talking about, um, is the three and four starters. You have overpoweringly good one and two starters, um, but you're going to be basically at a little bit of a pitching disadvantage um, uh, in any matchup there, depending um, on Silver City and State College. Now, you know, if you do face Arizona in the championship, which is obviously a possibility, um, that's one thing that's going to stand out, is you'll have to overcome the, the difference in number three starters, which is going to be pretty pronounced in that series, if it happens.
1: Now, who are his top three starters? Kane, Wainwright, and Oswald?
0: Right. That's okay. right. I mean, they're, they're, So it's a pretty dominating top three overall. Like mm-hmm. Your top two is better, but his top three is better. You know, I, I
1: would be, I'd be pretty comfortable, I think, by the end of that. The, the top three basically shake out if Hamels is up there. Yeah. Um, I, and I don't know how good he is versus lefties. And I, you know, I bring up not wanting to pitch Hamels in three-slot manning because John's lineup is just unbelievably strong with yes. right-handed batters.
0: It definitely is. Ogla, Tulewitzki, yes Cabrera, Malivo, yeah.
1: Now, I, I did this. This construction is something that I did to myself. Going into the <laughs> trade deadline. line, I was offered Oswald. That's true. The, the price was just exorbitantly high. And I don't blame Cooper for it because Oswalt was very good, and if he's going to get what he can, then good. He got a first and a fifth, and that's, that's pretty good. I think he wanted something like a, a second, a fourth, a fifth, and I think a second, fourth, and a fifth, or maybe something else I'm not sure.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I couldn't give up my entire next year's draft for what would be the equivalent of um, the Edwin Jackson to Oswalt differential.
0: Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see. Um, we talked a little bit about the training deadline before, but you, you do have, uh, statistically anyway, a better lineup than Arizona, so you could overcome it with that. Your top two starters are a little bit better. Um, but the one thing I was going to mention um, that is going to be a strength for you that wasn't a strength during the regular season is your bullpen.
1: Yeah, um, I'm really excited for my bullpen Having Billy Wagner and Ben Wah in there and then having Rob Madsen as a third arm to compliment them. Right. If if the game's close, if I have a lead, I can really play the matchups. This is something I didn't even have last year. Oh, where okay. I had Broxton. Now, Broxton was, was – he levitated to the mound last year, much <laughs> like Chavez. Chavez, <laughs> <Stop it>. yeah. <laughs> he has to make an appearance in every podcast. Right? That's right. No, I mean, Broxton was Eric Gagne-ish last year. He was sick. It, yeah. it, it, you know, no, let's not talk about Jacoby Ellsbury getting the hit and <laughs> all that. But
0: besides that. I thought you were going to say let's not talk about Eric Gagne and the copious amount of steroids <laughs> that he was on. Okay.
1: Hey, he was good. His arm stayed attached to his body the whole time he pitched for me as a Cardinal.
0: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Barely. But, and
1: Broxton was so good. Now, this year – Ben Wall and Wagner approach how good uh Broxton was, but with the different rules, they are going to be pitching much less than Broxton could, okay, yes, that's so true. combined they can pitch a little bit more, maybe maybe about the same, I'm not sure, and they have the right handed left handed um you know options so that they can they can go out there when the matchups dictate so ryan Madison's a fine, fine pitcher i think I think that. I know, again, I don't have my spreadsheet, but Ben Wall and Wagner were maybe top five relievers. And, you know, they were actually top, top-tierish top players where they were, they were worth almost a win. I think Wagner was the only release pitcher I had that was worth a full win uh, over the course of a whole season.
0: Right. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a quick funny story here based on those two. Uh, mm-hmm. As I said, Hobbs and I were compiling the, the spreadsheet, and, and I was saying um, – I was saying – as we were constructing your team, I said, "You know, Chad's bullpen is pretty, pretty freaking good." And he said, "Well, it's not as good as mine." And I said, "I don't know." I said, "I said his bullpen is pretty frightening. I mean, I've been watching it." And he said. Well, you know, I've got Quo, and Quo's the number one rated relief pitcher in the league by his, by his stats, which may be by yours also. I mean, he's very good. Um, and, and he starts spitting it out. You know, he went right to the spreadsheet. And he was like, well, I have the number one and the number 10 and the number 16 and the number 23 relief pitchers. And I said, okay, well, I, you know, I was obviously very good. You obviously have a good bullpen. I'm just, I'm just saying that you should be afraid of Chad's bullpen. And he said, all right, who's he got? And <laughs> I said, okay, well, let's start – I don't know why I said his name first, but I uh, I said, let's start with Joaquin Benoit.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: Jeff said, oh yeah, he's, oh, yeah, he's pretty good. Let me look him up. Oh, he's the number three relief pitcher in the league. I said, yeah, well, there you go. He's number three. And so he put that in. Remember, Quo was number one. And he said, all right, who's next? And I said, well, I, I guess his second-best reliever would be Billy Wagner. And Jeff said – and I just heard silence for, like, three seconds. And I said – you know, Jeff, you, you there? And he said he's number two. Yeah. <laughs> it was very ominous. It was like a Paul fell over. Off. <laughs> yeah. like, I told you. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was I was surprised when he took Quo and Benoit Wagner were there. I don't know why I rated Wagner so high. I, probably because of his splits or something like that. I, I'm not sure, but uh, I, I'm thrilled to carry Benoit Wagner, and to get them for the price that I, I paid yeah, right. at, the, at the draft. Now, we brought this up for a moment in the last podcast. We but did. At the draft, had, had Baltimore turned to me and said, you know, I don't think I'm going to compete. Here, I got these two relievers. I want your – he could have entered in pretty much anything. <laughs> because I wanted
0: – Firstborn child.
1: <laughs> because could have gone down a list. Now, when – now the reason why I traded for those players the way that I did, and didn't go after maybe lower, more easy to get relief pitchers was I expected those guys to get traded by Baltimore, and I was actually a little worried about where they were going to go. Okay. Yep. So when when, when two of the top three relief pitchers are on a team that's not contending, you gotta you gotta you gotta wonder.
0: Right. True.
1: So I was worried. For instance, I was worried about. Um, that's why I was so comfortable giving up um, what I did to get Wagner, which was Beckett, who was I paid a very small price for, and he's panned out beautifully for Baltimore. That he stuff. has. That's been great. Yeah. And then we have got Wall. I was in negotiations to get Romo from Coop. Now, mm-hmm. Coop ended up offering Romo at the draft, or at the deadline for almost nothing, and I didn't take him on it. Interesting. Um, well, Just a, a mar-
0: marginal improvement wouldn't have been there, or was there another reason?
1: Well... So, the improvement was going to be minimal. It would have been an improvement over either Frank Francisco or Mota. I'm surprised definitely. you said. I'm
0: surprised that Francisco's name. I, I thought you might have been.
1: <laughs> I, we're going to have to see that if Francisco makes an appearance. I'm not
0: sure that I was going to ask you, and I said it twice. I thought it might not that I'm a Harry Potter fan, but I thought it might be like he who shall not be named. But after this, after this, he was, was gone. bad. So, so you're still thinking about putting him on the postseason roster, though? Well, he exists do handle switch hitters, yes.
1: and I don't see any switch hitters on John's team that I'm worried about, so I'm not going to... The won't.
0: chipper would be the only one.
1: Yeah, I'm not worried about him.
0: Okay.
1: The re- I mean, the reason why is you could have the other guys take him out. but. Um,
0: yeah, and Moda, if you're going with Moda, he's another guy who's better against righties. Silver right, City seems so. to be more geared toward having righty batters. So.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. I, um, Coop was offering uh, Romo. Uh, he was offering him for a pick. I didn't want to offer, pay for the pick. I think I offered Cabrera or Martin or some other people that I was trying to trade. Sure. He said he actually he came back and said he didn't want any of those players. Wow! So then to get Benoit for the guys I couldn't get Romo for was was really really a big help.
0: That's nice. Yeah, I, I wonder why he wouldn't have wanted Cabrera especially.
1: Well, Cabrera. The, the faith in Cabrera, especially at that time, was very low. Even right now, it's it's shaky, right? We're not sure he's going to keep up, up what he's doing. Well, but he's a shortstop.
0: I mean, he doesn't really have to keep up what he's doing.
1: He can That's be true. See, the it thing is, with, the thing is with Coop's team, he actually had. Ten to fifteen interesting players already. He doesn't really need another oh, player. I
0: see where you're coming from.
1: Maybe a borderline.
0: Yeah, that's why he was trading all those guys to begin with. That's why he said he traded Cruz Nosewall because he just had too many players to keep. Okay, yeah, it makes
1: sense. So I fully expected to pick up Romo, but the way I was going about it was I was trying to tack him into an offensive upgrade. So mm-hmm. I, I will, I will take Romo and pay for Romo only if I get, um, um Kendrick Morales. Alexi Ramirez or, or Beltre, and we could never decide on a price for any of those guys. He seemed to want more for those guys than I would pay, even with them and Romo included. So it never worked out.
0: Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, you. Uh, I told Hobbs, I said, well, if you want to blame somebody for this, you can blame Doug Punt because he he loaded both. He loaded Chad up with both of those relievers. Um, you know, going into you know at the beginning of the season, you were rolling with Breslow and, and Matson basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they were. I mean, Madsen was a keeper. Yeah, he's a very good player. Breslau was a was a really reasonable pick. I think at the end of the fourth round. Yeah, sure, absolutely. I think Francisco was like a late eighth or something. And I mean, I, I like the way that I put my bullpen together. I paid a very low price for it. And in the past, I've i really gone out and paid a lot for bullpen guys that didn't pan out, and that really stung um especially the who is the guy with the the right-hander from the Angels that I picked up a couple years ago Oh right. Right he he plays for the Reds now, doesn't he?
0: Oh my goodness. Uh, well I should um, know this then. The right-hander from the Angels. You mean a a bullpen guy.
1: Yeah, I think I picked him in the second round um not not last season but the year before
0: that. Well, I can certainly look. I, 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 I can't. If he's with the Reds and I can't think of it, then I'm going to be very disappointed with myself.
1: Well, he was in the Reds organization. I don't think he's. Oh,
0: you're right, Jose Arredondo. Yeah. What the hell did he do that year? <laughs> why can't? I, why couldn't I think of that? Boy, I need to. Oh, that's terrible.
1: So Arredondo, I had him rated as. As maybe this is foreshadowing. I had him rated as like one of the number one or number two relievers in the league, and he had an ERA of something like. Six. Six that year. Wow,
0: that's weird. I, I did not remember that at all. I completely blocked that out. Um, yeah, he had an ERA of five point six four with a one point six two WHIP. Wow. Oh, did
1: you ever look at his underlying core performance? It was. Oh, it was good. Oh, I remember. I remember.
0: Oh boy. Yeah. Well. Um, Let's see. All of you
1: young young owners out there, don't sweat the bullpen guys. <laughs> Pick them up.
0: <laughs> well, this is – um. yeah, this is – we were talking earlier about how this is a veteran outlook. There's just some – there's sometimes bullpens just, just blow up. And, and a lot of people don't realize this, even in the majors. You think, my goodness, this reliever was good one year, and now he's crap. But it's just – you see with the RBA, even good players – and we're sitting here staring at their underlying statistics – I look at a guy like Billy Wagner who came to your team, and he threw – I mean, he started out with you with, by throwing just ten garbage innings. Yeah. I mean, he was basically throwing dung all over the field when he came yes. in for you. And I'm looking at his underlying statistics. They're fantastic. Of course they are. It just happens in such a small sample size. It could happen. And your bullpen sort of just blew up over an entire season. Um, you have a very oh, good it, bullpen as it's constructed now, and they put up a 4.4 ERA. It stings. So
1: of all of my losses, let me see here, of my 30 losses, 12 came from my bullpen.
0: That's right. Yeah. And
1: they pitched, what, one-fifth, almost uh, l- less, what, about like 22% of my innings, and they um, counted for yeah. uh, 40, 45% of my losses.
0: That's pretty rough. I mean, it's
1: my math's a little shaky there, but it it was bad.
0: I mean, you know, I'm just kind of looking up and down. I mean, Dunedin lost 45 games, five bullpen losses. Um, Just just for comparison's sake, you know, I mean, uh, that does normally happen. Ford Duquesne had eight bullpen losses, and they had the worst bullpen I've ever seen. And they still—I mean, Ford Duquesne had a 4.39 ERA at eight bullpen losses. They did better than you in the bullpen. It's just you can't
1: yeah. predict
0: it. It's this bullpen is just so volatile. But that being said, you come into the playoffs with maybe the the you know the best bullpen out there, maybe.
1: Well, I'm I'm happy with it. I've I've been thinking of you know thinking a little bit during during my jogs or whatever. Maybe <laughs> hey, maybe I, I should have picked up Romo. And then when, when John became my matchup, I thought, oh, my first – the first thing I thought was, damn, I really should have picked up Romo.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Benoit is pretty devastating, and Madsen, obviously, obviously against righties, he's, he's going to be pretty good. Madsen,
1: huh? he's very good. So,
0: yeah, I just don't we'll, – we'll see if
1: Frank Francisco makes an appearance at all. Oh. <laughs> oh.
0: Well, um Anything else that you want to say about this current season? Did we cover everything? I think we're going to try and cut uh and send this to a part 2 where we sort of recap the O five O six um podcast that that we did with Hobbs. Uh, anything we uh, we left out?
1: I, I think that that sums up. Uh that that sums up the the little quick summary. I think it maybe Either now or in the future, so I'd like to talk a little bit about some of these personal accomplishments some of these guys had. I mean, it has oh, not yeah. been said yet. Maurer batted four hundred.
0: Yes, he fit, and and you know we do a whole off season thing where I will definitely talk about that. Maurer batted four hundred three on the season. I was playing that game and I'd worked it out beforehand. If he had gone zero for four, he would have blown it he would have finished at three ninety nine. So 99 I saw
1: that, too. Yeah. So did I you work that out? I did, and I wanted to make sure that these games were interesting for you, so I, I did not tell you any specific like instructions that if he goes over three to pull him or anything
0: like that. Good. Well, that's a noble thing, but I was just waiting for him to get one hit, and and he got that hit in his second plate appearance, I think, and I, I just it, it's not like when Bautista broke the RBI record, that you're looking at a accounting number that he just passed, but Basically, that was what broke the record. When he got that hit, I just kind of looked at it, and I thought, "Mauer just hit four hundred. Wow, he yeah. did it." So, do you think
1: that he should be the MVP?
0: Oh boy! Wow. Um, I mean, and you're, and the funny thing is, and you're talking about your team being top heavy, uh, and you want to talk about the individual accomplishments. The the only other well. I mean, the only two other options are both on your team. There's really no <laughs> other. There's really no other way you can go. I mean, w- either way you go with this is going to seem like is going to seem like it was ripped out of somebody's hands. I can understand if Felix is going to, you know, well, we're going to go through the voting and everything. But uh, Felix is going to win the, the Pedro Martinez award. This should be major.
1: a good barometer. If somebody doesn't vote for Felix to win that award. Then they should go on probation.
0: <laughs> since when did this league become fascist reg- regime? Right. It,
1: well, it was that way for the the second third season, and then now we're we're coming back. yeah.
0: I, I, was, I was thinking about since when did it become bullshit to state in a pre- to state of preference? <laughs> right? um, so, but. You, it's going to be – we had two such incredible offensive accomplishments. Joe Maurer hit four hundred three as a catcher, no less. Yeah.
1: And by the way, the wins above replacement doesn't take yes. into account the... – No, it
0: does. It does. There's a position adjustment.
1: Oh, oh, oh. I'm very happy now. Okay. Yes. Oh, no. Yeah,
0: there is a position adjustment. So Joe Maurer led the league in wins above replacement, and, and we're supposed to say – you know, we go to sabermetric camp with these – when we when we learn about wins replacement, we're still supposed to say one stat doesn't explain everything. Don't lean on one stat like they used to Very with RBI good. or wins. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: it's – I mean, it's difficult for me to say either way. I'm going to be interested more than in any other voting. I – Who do I think will win? I think Bautista will win.
1: Did he have 92
0: RBIs in half of the season? (laughs) Yes, he did. Oh, my God. He broke the RBI record by 10. And, I mean, we're talking Manny's 0 1, Pujols. The most they'd ever done was 82. Bautista had 92 RBI. 32 home runs, which was the home run record for a long time before Braun broke it in his rookie season. But. Either one of those, whichever doesn't win, it's going to seem like a complete farce. It's just that one of them has to lose. I don't know. It's
1: also very hard because over over my um, over the last uh, 10, 20 years, I guess since I've been following baseball, I've always been a big advocate that pitchers don't get enough respect with the MVP voting.
0: Right. Yeah. i
1: always thought that. i thought that when, when an ace really rises above everybody else, he should get more consideration and, and the and the reasons that they throw out in the in the general media are normally bullshit. Oh, he's not out there every day. Well, you know, that's very strange to make that be your only argument. But when you do look at the wins above replacement, Felix doesn't quite match up with the other two.
0: If I did it by ERA he would. Wow. When you do it by ERA, it's sick. Yeah. It is, and here's the here's the counter argument there to what you were saying. He faced 537 batters this season. Yeah. Jose Bautista batted 363 times. Mauer batted yeah. 300 times. Yeah. I I mean, and there again, I mean, he went 15 and one with a 1.79. I mean, I just. He had five shutouts and nine complete games. He threw 141 and two-thirds innings in 17 starts. Yeah. I mean, if you do a little division there, I mean, you, you've quickly become very amazed at how many innings he pitched per start. Yeah. It's pretty he crazy.
1: Boss. Yeah, I've, I've, I've thought for a very long time that I would vote for Felix. And as it's come down to it, it's it's almost impossible to, to pass up um, either Maur or Bautista for it.
0: It's I mean that's the way the wins above replacement rate them with Felix third to the oh, actually he's behind pools, but he he would rank fourth overall.
1: Well that's true, but I mean, did do you really think that Felix was less valuable than Pujols?
0: Since? No, I, I do think that they should go one, two, three, I really do, which is amazing to think, you know, kind of bring it full circle to the how top heavy your team is. You think about how frightening this team has to be going into the postseason.
1: And I, I got I, something else that, that I should have brought up earlier but didn't: was that I got pretty good production from guys like Willingham and Chu and Stubbs. This isn't something that's been guaranteed in the past when I've had some of my supporting cast fall flat on their face.
0: Ah. It really can sting. Well, and, and it does happen. I mean, it, it happens to everybody. Um, and everybody has somebody who underachieves here and there. Um, and yeah, you did, and you did mostly was, avoid that. It
1: was just my, well, it was just my bullpen. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was your bullpen. That's it. I mean, everybody else can point to maybe an offensive player. You should look at Pat Burrell's uh, or <laughs> Pat Burrell's, um, stats for Jeff sometime. Uh, he was supposed to be pretty good, and he kind of fell on his face. But uh. And
1: then I guess the last question I want to ask is, is I guess the, the other voting is going to be for Rookie of the Year. So, do yeah. you think that Drew Stubbs will get any love for Rookie of the Year?
0: Wow. Well, I you know, honestly, I hadn't given that award much thought. Um, he pro rates.
1: He pro rates. He had twelve home runs, fifteen steals, fifty at fifty RBI. That pro rates to, to twenty four home runs, thirty steals, and hundred RBI. Yeah. So, center field.
0: Yeah. Now, he does finish slightly behind Hayward and wins above replacement.
1: Oh, and, and Hayward's team's going to playoffs.
0: Well, oh, but yours isn't? I know, but say, <laughs> but, but, hey, College's
1: team might be carried a little more by Hayward. I'm not sure.
0: The, it, the stats aren't as sexy as they say. I mean, he had fewer home runs, fewer RBI, didn't steal any bases. Did have a 410 on base percentage, Hayward did. Wow. Uh, so he rated a little bit higher and wins by replacement. And that's even with the positional adjustment of having Stubbs being a center fielder. I, I do think Stubbs will get some uh, – he'll get some love. Yeah, I'm surprised that Posey oh, – oh, Posey's right there between them, actually. Posey at 13 home runs um, and batted three oh three as a catcher. Okay. So it's going to be a, a bit of probably coming down to those 3, don't you think?
1: Uh, actually, it it just makes me happy that the number 1 and the number 2 pick are going to – whatever they were, number number 1, number 3 pick are going to be compared with my third round pick. Well, Who good I point. traded a future first four and I heard so many oh, What what's going on? Why is he wasting the pick again?
0: Well, my my quote on that was Somebody said to me, "Can you believe that Chad traded a third round or a first round pick next year for a third?" And I said, "Yeah, but he got a first rounder with the pick. <laughs> I mean, I got the, yeah I, I picked the
1: seventh best player in the draft at, at the beginning of the third round.
0: Wow well, and here's something that that I w- both of us forgot. Matt Latos will get consideration also the number three overall pick. He did win nine games
1: will he okay, so he won nine games, but I expected his team. Overall, to be better than it was. Yes. Yeah. So, did who underperformed for them while we're on the subject?
0: Uh, well, Randy Wolf was a problem. Um,. Randy Wolf is a problem. Yeah, he's just in general a problem. I don't think he underperformed. He was just there being himself. Um, <laughs> Zach Greinke underperformed a little bit. He Now, Greinke's underlying numbers weren't fantastic. He left even sure, okay. problems, but yeah. he, he did a little bit worse than I would have thought. You know, honestly, I don't know. I, I look up and down his team, and I still can't really figure out how or, or where that happened. Nobody really jumps out at me as having a terrible year. Compared to what they should have done, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I really don't. Maybe maybe he had bullpen issues also. Uh, although no, he had a two point nine zero bullpen ER. I don't really know. That's a that's a really good question. Is what wow. happened to that team?
1: He had a good bullpen with Thornton, Soria, and how do you say Belili?
0: Oh, Belisle. Belisle. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was Granky and Wolf that, that hurt him a lot. His other his other three starters were fine. I I. I I might never figure out what happened to that team. Um, although they went forty-three and thirty-eight, it's not like they were terrible. But I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, too much Miguel Tejada and David DeJesus. Maybe I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- maybe that everybody just underperformed a little bit because you don't see anybody really jumping out at you there. Nobody's under seven hundred, but then again, everybody's in the seven yeah. hundreds.
1: He doesn't have too many top-tier offensive players besides Gonzalez and Rasmus, and Rasmus has got some strong
0: splits. And Gonzalez really didn't have all that great of a year for first base. He had 19 home runs. Well, I mean, well, no, I mean in, the, has... in the RBA, his underlying stats weren't fantastic. If you look and see right, what right, he did right. against righties, I think he yeah. only came in with like an 840 or 850 OPS.
1: Oh, actually, I, I going into this year, I wondered if he was going to maintain like elite level status, and it does look like he's going to.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I believe he's bounced back adequately. Yes uh okay well uh okay all right well let's let's kick it over to a part two where we'll talk about uh the uh the seasons that we did the replays for but uh it was a good uh good analysis of this season that was uh that was fun i haven't really had to gotten to talk at length about this season yet uh yeah that
1: was fun
0: all right all right let's go to a part two